0: Well, it's post-Labor Day. You know what that means, kids. Winter is coming. Winter is coming. Oh, no. (laughs) Welcome to The Cabin. My name is Eric Paulson. I'm Audio Dave. And I'm Susan Fauch. And with us today, in salute of winter and snow on the ground, snow on the mountaintops and more, we are joined by Jack uh, Jack Sarama. (laughs) Dylan Rose and Jack Sarama. Okay, that's how I wanted to do it. (laughs) And they're probably
1: much more excited about winter coming than I than might Than we be. are.
0: <laughs> yes. And in case you don't know who these two are, if you haven't seen them on yet, uh, they are on our own Discover Wisconsin sister show, Boondock Nation, which mm. has been around how many
2: seasons now? How many years? We're rolling into our seventh season, actually. Seven wow. already? Already. Feels Man. like uh, just started yesterday.
0: Shredding the sleds here, and we're going to be talking a lot about Boondock Nation and what's going to be going on as winter well, it's it's we got a little while yet. We the have weather's a while. gorgeous in September. <laughs> Let's just it's calmed down. We've Same. got the fall colors, but you know, it's never too early to plan. Yeah. So yeah. let us do that now. I am so glad to see you guys have the head bobs down the <laughs> <laughs> It's a vibe. So I'm, I'm used to yeah. wearing helmets, you know. They're usually in their yeah, their helmets on the sleds here. That's so. actually
3: a pre-qualification for coming on the cabin is making sure you can head bop with us. Yeah. <laughs> it's
0: good exercise as, as we sit here. Yes. Perfectly still otherwise. Yeah. The cabin is brought to you by the Wisconsin Counties Association, and this week we're featuring Washara County, which is mm. uh, Native American origin, believed to mean good land. Now, here's the thing. Ellis Cooper famously told us Millie Wauke is Algonquin for the good land in Wayne's World. Mm. So...
3: I actually think this is a Winnebago route versus an Algonquin route. So, I mean, different languages, you know. That's
0: true. There are many, many Native American languages, which means you can claim anything means good land. But (laughs) Boshara is very good land there. The county seat is Watoma, which calls itself the Christmas tree capital of the world. And that's because the Kirk Company of Tacoma, Washington, has operated the uh, Watoma plantation of more than 10,000 acres worth of Christmas trees. That started back in 1953. So if you have a Christmas tree anywhere, there's a decent chance it came from Washerah County. It's also home to Red Granite, Wisconsin, obviously, and the Red Granite (laughs) Quarry, which is a huge attraction. It's a six acre lake with a depth of 163 feet, a lot of fun. You can swim at your own risk. Enjoy some scuba diving. You cannot snowmobile on that lake, but we'll get we'll get into where you can. Uh, and also uh, Don't uh, red, tell them where they can't snowmobile. Yeah, maybe <laughs> you, you know all I know. I've seen snow cross across water, it happens. Um, and uh, by the way, Red Granite is Wisconsin's official state rock. Fun hmm. fact. So let's rock. Ooh. You feel the crackling? It's, it's I feel toasty. warm already. Not <laughs> enough to melt snow. So, Eric, do you want
1: to take away the, the history lesson of this show? What a sister I mean,
3: show means? Yeah. Or? Yeah.
0: We certainly can.
1: It, w- it was originally written on your part of the script, so I, I don't want to steal it away from you. Oh, you don't
0: have to. We've actually talked about <laughs> uh, the history of our show for a long time, whenever we had yeah. premiere parties, and we'll, uh, we'll show how this has all come together here. Now, Discover Wisconsin, the TV show itself, was started back in 1987. The roots go back to 86, when our founder, Dick Rose, and former Wisconsin Governor Tommy Thompson were fishing. Familiar? because it is. <laughs> it, is. <laughs> it is. Have you heard
3: that story once or twice, Dylan?
0: <laughs> at least five times. Okay. <laughs> like at least five million yeah. five <laughs> times. Uh, so basically, a production company needed to form to produce this TV show, which is now our parent company, Discover Media Works. And uh, not only do we have Discover Wisconsin, in 1999 they launched Into the Outdoors, which is a great program targeted to kids. And most recently, yeah, about seven years, seven seasons ago, as it says right here, Uh, Dylan Rose, who happens to be Dick Rose's grandson, and uh, Jack Sarama, launched the show Boondock Nation. Now, boondocking is, as it says here, an adrenaline-fueled sport that requires snowmobilers to adjust their riding styles on the fly to conquer extreme weather conditions.
1: You guys agree with that definition? You have anything to add? Did we mess it up?
3: Okay, I took that definition from your website, so (laughs) I would hope it was correct.
4: (laughs) I would say it's correct, for sure. Um, not only extreme weather conditions, but just extreme terrain and exploration.
0: I was going to say, because you guys, you're tearing up and down mountains. You're doing all this cool stuff. You're getting those things in the air
5: pretty, yeah.
0: pretty far. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's extreme snowmobiling. So boondocking is all about basically being everything but the guy comfortably sitting on his snowmobile while he's going across a lake in uh, frozen lake, mm-hmm.
2: in comfortable winter weather.
1: It's not about snowmobiling out to your tip-ups to check them in the middle of the winter.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd say that's accurate for sure. You know, there's, there's so many different uh, snow conditions and variables that you encounter when you're out on the mountain. And uh, that is essentially what boondocking is, no matter if you're at the professional level or if you're where we were at seven years ago, you know, just starting out. Um, it's always a challenge, no matter how good you are. And really,
0: the snow conditions, I mean, you know, just going cross-country skiing or something, you can see snow conditions changing. When you're going up and down mountains, it changes quickly with elevation, does it not?
4: Yeah, not only with elevation, but um, with temperature, with wind, um, and even direct sunlight can affect snowpack as
2: well. So there's a lot to it. Because it'll start melting a little bit. Yeah, and fun fact for you, wind can actually cause snow to accumulate on the lee side of a mountain at up to 18 inches per hour. Wow. That's per intense. hour? Per hour. <laughs> um, so when we're talking about changing conditions, you know, in an, in an avalanche scenario where uh, you've got a weak layer in the snowpack, it can change very quickly.
0: Hmm. Wow. And, and really, in a vulnerable area, you can you can trigger avalanches by accident, can't you?
4: Absolutely, yeah. It's a real thing out there, and uh, it's something that in the snowmobiling industry you're going to see become a lot more prevalent is avalanche education and knowing how to read the snowpack and conditions when you're out there. Wow. There are a lot of
0: signs you have to look for yeah. when you're going out there. You guys have there. to it's-
1: be pretty mm-hmm.
2: educated on that to uh-huh. be safe out there. So, have you ever
3: accidentally triggered an avalanche?
2: Uh, nothing of any size, really. Okay. You know, I've I've been or in nothing one that about- you'd admit to. Uh, yeah. Um, I've been in one probably the size of this building that we're in. Um, okay. but you know, it, it buried my snowmobile and that was about it. We've been very fortunate. We always try and minimize our risk when we're out there. Yeah. Cause yeah cause on, that's truly dangerous stuff if it gets, uh-huh. I mean. Absolutely. You know. I mean, the snow sets up like concrete. Um, and on any given day, you know, you have a very small chance of being in an avalanche, but when you ride as much as we do, that risk is multiplied over 60, 70 days a season over yeah. five to 10 years. It adds up. Mm -hmm. So we do whatever we can to minimize that risk every day we're out on the snow. For sure. What initially inspired you to
0: to look into doing this, this field, this field of snow, (laughs) of boondocking?
4: Well, uh, Jack and I have always been just into snowmobiling in general. I mean, ever since we were both like three years old, at least that's the age that I started riding a snowmobile.
0: And you both grew up in Eagle River, yeah. which is essentially the snowmobiling capital of the world. It is. It the is. The snowmobile was invented just west of you by a couple miles, and yeah. the trails are endless. So yeah, it's not. A, that's not a shocker given where you're from. Yeah. Right.
4: So yeah. Um, You know, on the weekends after school, we would always get together, go ride our sleds in the ditches or maybe take a UP trip every other weekend to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, um, which is really close proximity to Eagle River, where we're from. Uh, So that's kind of how it all started, Uh, started exploring. You know, we've always looked up to some of these bigger snowmobile films out there and aspired to be and ride like some of those people out there so uh so when you say
2: snowmobile films what are you talking about so in the snowmobile industry there really wasn't anything on tv prior to boondock nation Mm -hmm. um the only places you could really consume snowmobile content you know the sweet sexy shots deep pow that type of thing (laughs) big jumps was films Uh, Companies would make films each year. They'd always come out in the fall, and it's a big hype thing in the industry. You know, everybody gets geared up for winter around this time, and this is when all the films start coming out. So we would always watch those every year. Dylan would buy every single one every single year.
4: (laughs) I've got a collection somewhere. So, yeah, I mean, uh, DVDs is pretty rudimentary, but uh, people are just so excited after um, all summer goes by, and then we're here in the fall. It's time to get the sleds out and get ready. So... Uh, It's kind of a cool thing.
0: So in terms of content, it was all periodic films. And you said, hey, we can make this a fairly consistent show that people and in today's world, you can go to YouTube or whatever Mm -hmm. and, and get that content, more unique content all the time.
2: Yeah, and I'd love to sit here and tell you that that was our idea from the beginning, but it definitely was not. (laughs) Um, We wanted to share what we were doing with our friends because it was pretty progressive for us at the time. And uh, we were also kind of selfishly hoping to get some discounts on products if we had enough followers.
3: (laughs) That's honest. Sponsors. Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) So that's, that's kind of where
1: it all started, but how do you define Boondock Nation now? What is it? It's much more than just a show, right? It's a, it's a brand. You guys are doing more than just
4: snowmobiling. What's your kind of elevator pitch for what Boondock Nation is? Sure. So Boondock Nation is obviously a brand, but um, really we're a media initiative to promote backcountry snowmobiling, destination snowmobiling, and uh, avalanche awareness, um, that sort of thing. So as we... Uh, as we transition out of our uh, lifestyle and summer experience season and go into snowmobiling um,
2: don't know where I'm going. To, right. <laughs> well, I would just say, you know, after seven years of broadcast um, broadcast is still a big part of what we do, but we're definitely transitioning into the digital world and we have been over the past few years. So um, what started with putting more content out on social media has turned into Um, our focus shifting to YouTube, primarily in uh, different streaming channels like Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV. We have our own channel on all those services. So what we're able to do now is not have to wait until the fall, like when all the films come out and when our broadcast season is. We can put out content mid-season. We can put out content throughout the summer. And it gives us a lot more flexibility, too, with what we want to do with the content.
1: Yeah, because I remember you guys basically would do like four episodes per season on broadcast. And now it's just like, how many minutes a year are you producing? It's just ramped up so much.
2: Yeah, I think we did, uh, we've done 42 videos in the last 365 days. Wow. That's awesome.
0: Nice. What was your biggest challenge getting it going and then getting it to grow to this point, or at least some of your biggest challenges? There's usually more than one. (laughs)
4: There's been a lot of challenges and a lot of learning that's taken place over the last seven seasons of doing this. But I would say the biggest challenge was just initially breaking through to getting sponsorships, getting people to stand behind us and really seeing the vision of what we were trying to accomplish. There's a lot of Flash in the pan, stuff that happens, you know, when you're in your up and coming years, especially in the snowmobile industry, because it is pretty small and everyone is very well known. So for us to just come, kind of come out of the blue and say what we we're trying to accomplish and meet the goals that we had set. I think people were like a little uh, apprehensive at first, but, you know, once we broke through that kind wall. Kind of a who the heck are you guys yeah, kind exactly. of Once we broke through that wall, I think uh, it started to take off big time
2: yeah and to piggyback on that being wisconsinites being flatlanders as some may say um <laughs> was See,
0: in wisconsin we call illinois people Flatlanders, uh, yeah, but i yeah, guess if right. you're in montana and idaho <laughs> yeah we're considered
2: yeah, yeah so by comparison as things started with boondock nation we did quite a bit of riding in the upper peninsula of michigan but that area being fairly small we knew a lot of our opportunity was out West in the mountains, obviously. So, uh, once we started taking our first couple of trips out there, obviously we weren't very good on a snowmobile. Um, but we had, you know, a lot of people that took us under their wing, thankfully, Mm -hmm. and kind of showed us the ropes. And, um, after more and more seat time out there, our riding started to progress. So that was definitely a challenge getting started as, uh, you know, trying to make good content with our riding being mediocre.
0: So your riding skills had to catch up a little bit with what you really wanted to showcase.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that was part of the reason that we kind of had to make the decision four years ago to to move out west for the winter. Because while the UP offers great snowmobiling for people in the Midwest or Chicago or someone that wants to just get out and try to learn how to boondock their snowmobile or ride off trail... It's great, but for what we were trying to accomplish, we needed to make the jump to move out west to be able to improve our skills to stay relevant in the industry and be credible riders.
0: It's a good thing you have GoPros to really catch some of those cool (laughs) shots too, right? You need those in the mountains.
2: Yeah, of course. Um, We've lost our fair share out in the mountains (laughs) too. (laughs) So
1: for our listeners uh, who are kind of mostly based around Wisconsin, can you talk about some of your places to ride up in the UP that they might be familiar with?
2: Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, we grew up in Wisconsin, um, born and raised, both of us, not too far from Eagle River. So a lot of our time early on was spent up there. You know, you can get your snowmobile safety, I believe, when you're 12 years old. Mm-hmm. So once we were 12 years old, it was game on. I know you were riding to school all the time and <laughs> um, I'd be going out after school and putting on as many miles as I could. Um, so we've gotten to know the area pretty well. and. One of my favorites and a place that I hang out all summer long is uh, Ben's Camp. Um, so that's in Atlanta, Lakes, Wisconsin. It's a great gateway to the UP. You know, it's situated right on the border. Um, so we shoot out of there and uh, go up and explore, you know, the Copper Country. Um, so from there, I always like going up to the Twin Lakes area too, mm-hmm. just south of Houghton. Yeah, the entire Keweenaw Peninsula, just the way that it's positioned in Lake
4: Superior, gets a lot of lake effect snow. So um, as far as uh, getting the snow that you need to be able to do the sport, that's kind of the hot spot.
0: Yeah, they get over 200 inches a year on
2: average in a lot of
0: those towns up there. So you have ridden across like the Houghton-Hancock Bridge, right, between the...
2: Yeah, we actually uh, did an episode last year um, where we were trail riding, uh, in the Keweenaw Peninsula. And it was actually really fun because, you know, I'd spent some time up there when I was a bit younger, but now that we could actually sit down at the bar and have a beer and check out some of these places that have so much history, you know, up in the Calumet area, they used to call that the Paris of the Midwest, Mm -hmm. um, cobblestone streets and just big churches and stuff. It's really cool to come back with a fresh perspective after seeing all these sled destinations in the West and in Canada, And uh, to just see the culture in the Midwest too and um, take a tour around there. So, we did film an episode on that. If anybody wants to check it out, that's available on YouTube. Yes. Boondock Nation channel, right? Correct. Yes, sir. Yep. So, after
1: seeing all of these huge places out west and everything, do do the trails of the UP still kind of have their own special place in your heart? Um, I mean, like, is that still valuable to go back and do, or have you kind of done such big things that that doesn't feel like you get that same thrill anymore
4: well i think that the up will always be a place in our hearts especially um you know it's where we grew up riding it's where we learned the very basics of backcountry snowmobiling from side hilling to whatever the maneuver might be um so i don't think that'll ever go away it's been a few years since we've ridden up there uh backcountry or like how we used to um in the high school days but um, I would love to go back anytime and check it out. it's It's a beautiful place and very
2: unique.
3: Cool. Speaking of your episodes, what for someone who's never watched one? like what kind of things can they expect? What's like the format? What are they watching?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, a lot of what we do is obviously very seasonal since there's only snow in North America for half the year. Mm-hmm. Um, working on getting to South America in August one of these Ooh, days. Like we'll in see Chile or something? It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can go to
0: the Andes Mountains.
2: Wow. Yeah, it sounds like you uh, ride on volcanoes, like with parrots flying around down there. It's pretty Jeez. wild. Yeah. Oh, can you get Andy's
0: candies to sponsor it? <laughs> <County?
2: laughs> That's a Are great really? idea, Eric. I didn't know that. Yeah.
0: Tie it right in. It's even spelled the same. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but well, you uh, wanted more sponsorships, so yeah, on I'm an idea platter. guy. I'm telling you. <laughs>
2: yeah exactly with the Boondock Nation episode I guess what you'll find is a lot of lifestyle and a lot of um, you know a lot of what happens when the helmet's off you know a lot of people um, see professional snowmobilers on their sleds but they never see who's under the helmet really um, so we show people, you know, a lot of what you can do if you want to plan a sled trip. Um, that's a lot of what Boondock Nation is based on. Um, if you wanted to take a trip to one of the most beautiful snowmobile destinations in the area, say Revelstoke, British Columbia, you know, we'll show you where to stay, where to eat, um, what else there is to do in town. Maybe if you're bringing people who along, uh, along with you who aren't snowmobilers, show them where they can go. And then by the way, there's all this beautiful scenery and some deep power, you know, spring jumps, whatever it may be. Um, In the summertime, we focus a lot more on what we do when we're off the sleds.
0: So, yeah, you've been uh, not only in the U.S. then, because you mentioned, you know, you've been to B.C. and Alberta a little bit, right, like kind of around Banff with Banff, which is hard to say, (laughs) Whistler, some of those areas, too. I mean, there's the areas are known for fabulous skiing up there, but they've got a lot of great trails.
4: Yeah, they have excellent snowmobiling. They have, probably have the most consistent snowpack as far as mountain sledding is concerned and just the coolest train you can possibly ride. I mean, like you said, Whistler, it's a place we've never been. Uh, we definitely aspire to go,
2: but they have some cool sea-to-sky stuff and glaciers, and it's just very wild out there. Yeah, what's very interesting about British Columbia is, you know, when you're in Colorado or Wyoming or Idaho, uh, you're looking at 10,000-foot mountains, but you're looking at them from 5,000 feet. uh, Versus British Columbia, you're looking at almost 10,000-foot mountains, but you're standing at sea level. So they just look enormous (laughs) compared to what we see here in the uh, continental U.S.
3: So kind of speaking of but switching gears what is the craziest thing you guys have ever done either I think in general snowmobiling but on an episode and also what's the scariest thing you've ever done if they're different
0: that you can admit to for either one of
1: those (laughs) i bet dylan i could bet i could probably guess yours i just saw a sneak peek of a upcoming episode you want to talk about that yeah so um (laughs) as we
4: mentioned uh, jack and i have been trying to show a little bit more of the lifestyle and uh kind of getting to know us and our personalities and the personalities of the sledders we ride with rather than just the highlight stuff so um was blessed with the opportunity on an off season, being non snowmobiling episode, uh, to go tandem base jumping. So, um,. <laughs> That was something I wasn't necessarily sure I was going to do until we were there. And then uh, when the cameras got busted out, I was left with no option other than yeah, to do you, it. You
0: can't chicken <laughs> out of those
4: things, no, right? No, so like like, right yeah. up until you got to the bridge, you weren't sure if you were going to do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, so that was pretty nerve-wracking. Very glad I did it. Did it, obviously, survived the tandem base jump. Um, it was it was a cool experience. But and that's where, probably, was, where was that? Uh, Twin Falls, Idaho. Okay. Yep. And that's like the only place you can base
2: jump in America, right? Is that what? I heard. Yeah, it's. Uh, you don't need a permit or anything. I'm not exactly sure how all that works, but it's. I can tell you, Twin Falls is like a base jumpers paradise. Um, we were we were there for most of the morning and into the afternoon, and you would see people just roll up on their car uh, or bike and lock up their bike, uh, throw a backpack on, walk out on the bridge, and just go jump <laughs> off. And hike back up, maybe go back to work, like that's what they did on their lunch break. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> is
0: this after okay. a particularly good or bad morning at work? <laughs> I'm
1: trying to figure out. So I
2: gotta go jump off you, a
0: bridge.
3: Yeah. <laughs> okay, wait. But for our listeners who don't know and like maybe me, uh what is base jumping?
2: So I believe base stands for uh building antenna. I forget what the S is and the E is, but it's uh, jumping from a structure or something solid. You're not jumping out of an airplane. Okay. Um, so it obviously adds a level of difficulty because I've, you're skydiving from thousands of feet. Uh, base jumping, you have a much smaller window <laughs> to pull your parachute.
3: Yeah. Okay. So, but it's so it sounds a little bit kind of like cliff diving, but just but with a parachute.
2: Yeah, and bridge yeah. Actually, or B actually stands for bridge. No, that's oh, okay. okay. That's what, that's like yeah. the.
3: Motion, I'm Bridge picturing. and structure.
2: Right. Yeah.
3: yeah. We should have Googled I don't know what the E stands Yeah,
5: I didn't know it was <laughs> right, an right,
0: acronym. If only I just one figured of us you, you jumped from a base of something. If yeah, if, if only we could tap into a large repository of information and find things out. We'll leave that for the listeners to do. <laughs> See we're Okay,
1: it so doesn't prepared. help me
3: that I Googled it and the first thing that pops up is base jumping death rate, so I'm going to skip <laughs> <over>. <laughs> <It's>,
0: <laughs> Well, better you say that now than before yeah. Dylan made the made
3: Yes, jump. he already did it. He survived. He's so, here with yeah. us in the cabin, yeah. so perfect.
2: <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I didn't have a chance to do it. I'm not sure if I really would have wanted to you know i say that now that i wanted to do it but <laughs> yeah. being in the moment who knows but uh the weight limit was like 180 pounds and you were right there i right? was right okay. there yeah huh. um i expected a little bit more scientific
4: uh <laughs> scale system but he just uh, i told him i was 180 pounds kind of picked me up to make sure i felt like that and we uh just went for the jump
5: wow
3: wow wild oh goodness okay well what about you jack What's the craziest or scariest thing you've done?
2: Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would say craziest and not necessarily fun is uh, I've had a couple snowmobile extractions where you know I have to get my sled out of the mountains and it's not running. Oh, um, no. So I've had a f- my fair share of issues, including at the end of the, this last season, my sled was sitting up in the mountains until the day before we moved out of Idaho. <laughs> um, So some of those things, the mechanical failures seem to be my theme, um, as of the last couple of seasons. Uh, so we've had to do some pretty crazy stuff. Uh, you know, putting, literally putting a snowmobile on top of another one and trying to ride it out that way. Um... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there, I, I would say that was probably my craziest moment is this last season trying to get my snowmobile out of the mountains, you know you We piggyback ex- snowmobiles on top of each other? <laughs> A lot of paracord. I hope that's on yeah. film <laughs> it is. Yeah, it and is. We we're in the situation, you know where we uh, we were back in the mountains quite a ways and uh, There's one final ridge that we had to get over uh, before it was all downhill to the truck. We so probably had six or seven miles to go, but once we got over this ridge, it was all downhill. And uh, I, I, it took us a couple of days. Um, we ended up going out there with a, a couple of pulleys and 500 feet of rope to set up like a block and tackle system so we could drive the other snowmobile downhill and tow it out. But, uh, yeah, you never know what you're going to face <laughs> in the backcountry. You know, that's that's one thing. We talk about weather and we talk about terrain, but mechanical issues and injury are obviously... Uh, always a present danger. Um, you know, we've had friends break limbs out there, and uh, you just have to be prepared for everything.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, because you're not on the marked, groomed trails that, you know, they do so meticulously, you know, in northern Wisconsin and in the UP and stuff. I mean, out there, you're you're tackling terrain may or may not be marked, may or may not be advisable in some cases, but you don't exactly. know until you get there.
2: Yeah, exactly. And the with how far snowmobiles have come in the last decade even, um, people are able to get themselves into situations that they may not want to be in, uh, very easily <laughs> or shouldn't be in given their experience level. So, um, we're at the point, you know, with our riding progressing to the point that it has and the snowmobiles, you know, uh, s- manufacturers starting to come out with two stroke turbos. Um, that's a first ever in the world. Um, and it's specific to the snowmobile industry and that just gives you that much more power to go that much deeper. Hmm. Um, so we love it, but yeah, you do see people getting themselves into situations that oh maybe they went to 10, 20 years ago.
0: More freedom hmm. can be more trouble. sometimes. Right? more <laughs> yeah. flexibility. Yeah. Hmm. Yes. So you said you've kind of developed the show over the years. Where do you want to see it go? Where do you think the future is? It's for the dream. <laughs> the dream. Well,
4: the dream. other obviously. than millions of dollars. And <laughs> yeah. you know. I feel like we're living the dream to be honest. Um, what we've what we've accomplished in the last 7 se- 6 7 seasons of doing this has been has been a pretty fun experience we've learned so much um but as far as the dream goes you know we would obviously love to g- grow all of our digital platforms grow our YouTube channel grow our social media accounts but we want to become more year round incorporating what we do in the summer lifestyle wise you know there's more to a snowmobiler than just riding a sle- putting your helmet on and going out there and riding your sled during the winter. So, we want to highlight some of that um, and just become your source for learning more Destination Snowmobiling, more information on
0: Destination Snowmobiling. And it's focused primarily Wisconsin and the UP and then out in the Mountain West, right?
2: Yeah. At this point, we're splitting, you know, six months here, six months there. And uh, I have no intention to change that. I want to keep that going as long as I Unless you can
0: go to South America. Well, yeah, true, true. (laughs) We'll change the plans, yeah. But But honestly,
2: um, you know, the lake life and the culture here in Wisconsin is just, I don't think you can beat it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we love spending summers here, winters we're obviously spoiled out west and we still do visit you know for the holidays and for some other events here and there um i would like to spend you know time in the up if we if we can throughout the winter our winters just get so busy but yeah i guess that's my goal is uh to be able to split time as much as i can just because i can't give up the lake life the cabin life yeah as some may say (laughs) uh that's what we find here in the midwest yeah. yeah that might be a good place for do you want to tell
1: us about our first inside sponsor Sure. Let's do Speaking that real of cabin quick. life. Yeah, you need to be with us
0: for this because. <laughs>
3: Up north, cabin life.
0: Yes, uh, because the cabin is powered in part by Remax property for dream homes in the Northwoods. Now, snowmobiling and boondocking, clearly super popular in the Northwoods, like we've talked about. Uh, what would be the quintessential cherry on top of a snowmobiling day? Going home to a Northwoods cabin, right?
2: Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, as long as there's, uh, you know, some food ready in the oven,
0: right? Or or some some fish beer in the fridge. Something (laughs) like that, you know. Let's dream about that for two seconds. Okay, you can make that dream a reality with Remax Property Pros. From vacation homes to forever homes, you can find your dream property from this hand-selected list curated by Discover Wisconsin. All you have to do is visit homes.discoverwisconsin.com and find your dream cabin. Pretty sweet, huh?
3: Mm -hmm. Sometimes I forget that you take what I write in the script very literally when I wrote (laughs) dream for a second. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, before we also dive into our next sponsor segment, um, it's September. You guys are premiering your season. So where do people, when does it premiere and where do people watch? How do they follow you along on social media? Give us, give us the details.
2: Yeah, so we cover the entire Midwest here on broadcast. Um, so our broadcast episodes will be coming out here, thinking about a week. Um, so you can find those on the weekends, uh, typically in the outdoor block with the other outdoor shows in the morning or the evening. But um, for those who don't know, when when is that? When is what? The outdoor block. Oh yeah, uh, that's in the morning or the evenings, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, is it on on? Uh, Fox Sports, um, Valley ba- well, Sports, 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 Wisconsin. I've been that. saying Fox for so many years. Valley <laughs> uh,
0: Sports yeah. Wisconsin and Bally Sports North, right? Correct. Um, yeah. Saturday mornings, usually. Yep. And the then,
2: uh, we had some other markets like, uh, WJMN out of Marquette and, uh, CBS out of Green Bay and Wausau as well. Perfect. So you can check your local listings for that. But of course,
0: YouTube, Roku, Apple TV, google Mm -hmm. play all all the stuff
3: amazon fire all (laughs) the stuff but i think youtube is like the main place to find you guys right
4: youtube for sure yeah definitely stay tuned subscribe to our youtube channel we have content and videos coming out uh constantly throughout the year and especially in the winter
3: Mm -hmm. and what's your social handle for anyone wanting to follow you guys on like instagram because i know you guys post a lot of like really great photos and videos and stuff there
2: yeah, uh, at Boondock Nation. Boondock underscore nation, I should say, is where it's at. And uh, I'm Long Track Jack, and this is Ramblin' Rose. All right.
3: I like that. you guys have funny ones.
2: You guys <laughs> should form a band. Long Track Jack and
0: Ramblin' Rose.
3: <laughs> uh, well, they already have like a, a snowmobiling kind of <laughs> band. They're fine. They're good. Yeah fantastic uh well thank you guys so much for joining us in the cabin today it was kind of fun for us to do this like crossover of discover wisconsin and boondock nation so yeah yeah it's yeah. a
2: little unique for what you guys do <laughs>
3: yeah yeah <laughs> well snowmobiling i feel like is right on par with the rest of the cabin so yes. absolutely <laughs> for
0: sure fits beautifully thanks again guys yeah. thank no, you thank you thanks
3: that was fun mm-hmm. yeah kind of uh, to your point, Eric, I feel like I've never actually seen their faces before. They're always <laughs> out in Idaho, so that's
0: emails because we all work for the same company. A lot of yeah. emails and a lot of you know seeing on on camera, if you will. But mm-hmm. yeah, not not in the flesh. So
3: yeah, and I'm they're not... too busy
1: out there living the life.
0: Seriously,
3: <laughs> yeah, and I'm like not a snowmobile type person, so it was fun for me to learn about that. So it,
0: it's a it's a lot of fun. You should try it this winter.
3: Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, not mm-hmm. that we're
0: in a hurry for the snow around here. No, yeah.
3: but. But. but it's
0: going to show up no matter what, so
3: <laughs> we can't we can't stop it from coming. Yes. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. So you guys hear us talk about the Wisconsin Counties Association every single week because we share the county of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so much more WCA than meets the eye, and I got to sit down once again with their executive director, Mark O'Connell, um, to talk about the role they play for Wisconsin. And this one was kind of fun. I got to ask him about his favorite piece of legislation that he's ever worked on that really helps keep Wisconsin moving forward. Pun intended. (laughs) And we are back with Mark O'Connell from the Wisconsin Counties Association. Um, Today, Mark, I want to ask you a really important question, which is that you are the executive director of WCA. What has been the most rewarding project that you've worked on or piece of legislation that you've helped pass that really moved Wisconsin forward?
5: That is a really good question, Susan, <laughs> uh, and kind of a personal question uh, that I don't often get.
3: Okay,
5: um, I've been with the association for over 30 years. I've uh, been executive director for the past 20. Uh, prior prior to the association, I worked for Governor Tommy Thompson. And mm. if anyone knows Tommy Thompson or is aware of Tommy Thompson, that man is full of all kinds of ideas. And so we. Mm. I learned a lot of of, of how I operate from Tommy Thompson, which really is uh, care about this state, care about the future, look into the future, prepare ourselves for a better future, always be thinking about how you can make something better, how you can improve it, how we can uh, set the table for future success of our people, of our institutions, of our society. And in that regard, the Counties Association has really afforded me an opportunity to do just that. I I don't think I could point to any one single piece of legislation uh, of which I am most proud. But what I can say, I am so incredibly proud and honored to work with the individuals in county government. Now, county government is not that level of government where you get a lot of thank yous or spotlight or limelight or a lot of gratitude county government is the is a level where you 're really grinding it out and working hard, but when whenever you do county board member, uh, department head, county employee at the end of the day, you know you did something good, you made society a better place. This is a, a better state for the future generation i 've often said in, in the arena of public policy, and this is definitely the case in county government. We have a responsibility, a duty, an obligation to engage in behavior which will, which will assist people we will never meet and help generations we will never see. And I guess what I'm really most proud of is that the, the individuals in county government absolutely embrace that, and we are a better state for it.
3: Mm-hmm. I love how you phrase that—that that it's helping people you'll never meet and generations you'll never see. I think you know public policy and government in general gets can get a bad rap. Um, so understanding that the goal is always so much larger is really important. So thank you so much for saying that, Mark, um, and thank you again for coming on the podcast to talk about the Wisconsin Counties Association. Okay, so it's also time for the review of the week, but I think we have to be honest. We have to, like, lift the veil at the moment. (laughs) Lift the veil? Um, We have to lift the veil, because, Eric, you have to do it, too. That Um, we're time traveling? We're time traveling. (laughs) So, (laughs) this episode, it's September 7th for all of you watching, uh, but it is May, what is it, 18th, 19th for us? Um,
1: Hard to wrangle up those boys for (laughs) their recording schedule.
3: Yeah, especially to go with like their launch dates. So for the review of the week, I'm not going to read one because that would be super weird to pull one in now. Um, So instead, I'm just going to do a great big call for reviews. If you haven't left a review on Apple Podcasts, that's a thousand and ten percent what we need, what we love, how it keeps the cabin, you know, ranking on Apple Podcasts and um, helps other people find the show, which is really incredibly helpful. So
0: And actually, you can go to our Facebook Facebook page around the campfire with Mm -hmm. Discover Wisconsin and leave a review. People don't really do that very often. They'll share pictures, they'll share observations. but
3: Yeah, it is a fun Facebook group because people, I think my favorite part of watching it is that people will go to the places we talk about in former episodes and take pictures and share their experiences. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm really excited about it. So yeah, join our Facebook group around the campfire. Otherwise, please go into Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review.
1: Yeah, and I don't know that we've ever really... Dove into why why Apple podcasts, but if Mm. if you are using another podcast host, um, it does really help uh, going to Apple Podcasts for those Mm -hmm. reviews and ratings. Their algorithm is just kind of what influences a lot of other podcast Mm -hmm. hosts, so it's really helpful there. Obviously, rate and review and whatever podcast app Mm -hmm. you're using but uh apple is super helpful
3: yeah it's it's like the granddaddy of where we're gonna land on like the charts for anything so and again that's how other people can discover our podcast aside from just you guys sharing it on social tagging us at the cabin pod on instagram Mm -hmm. so yeah That's uh that's my sub review of the week because we're we're to the point of talking
0: about the granddaddy of podcast reviews, (laughs) granddaddy
3: of podcast reviews.
0: (laughs) we have only been around a couple of years for crying out loud. For crying out loud. So our next uh, episode next week will be a surprise because we haven't decided what quite we're going to do yet. (laughs) Although you know, Summerfest is going on in Milwaukee, and there's a lot of other fun things to do. So we'll be we'll be talking about some cool stuff. So just make sure you stick around for next Mm -hmm. week's episode. And as we wrap it up here, a quick message from the All of Us Research Program, because the All of Us Research Program has a simple mission. They want to speed up medical breakthroughs. To do this, they're asking people across America to share their unique health information to create the largest, most diverse medical research program ever. The mission is an important one, because the more information researchers have, the faster they can create individualized prevention, precise treatment options, and better care for all of us. Together, let's make this mission achievable. Details at joinallofus.org slash discoverwi.
3: Today's episode of The Cabin was hosted by Eric Paulson, Dave Janis, and me, Susan Foch, with guest hosts of Dylan Rose and Jack Sarama. Produced by me and Audio Dave with video editing by our Discover MediaWorks team and social media by me and Courtney Haas. The Cabin is a production brought to you by Discover MediaWorks. To learn more, head to discovermediaworks.com. And don't forget to leave us a review.
0: And here's this week's installment of Know Your Wisconsin. The three-tier system of beer distribution was put into place by the U.S. government in 1933, following the repeal of Prohibition. The first tier is made up of anyone who makes or supplies beer. The second tier includes distributors and wholesalers, while the third includes retailers like bars, restaurants, and grocery stores.
6: The benefits uh, of the three-tier system, um, really three main things. We, uh, we provide choice, uh, value, and then a clear chain of custody. Choice, for example, we carry brands from roughly 64 suppliers. They range in size from large conglomerates like Miller Coors, Molson Coors, all the way down to local crafts like New and then even smaller craft brands like Lake Louis value. Uh, We deliver our products to every single licensed account in our service area. They're able to get the same price. So that allows independent liquor stores and independent grocery stores to compete on a level playing field with large national chains. Beer distributors also provide for
0: a clear chain of custody, meaning they only buy from licensed suppliers and deliver to
6: licensed retailers, creating a safe and regulated marketplace for consumers. Most people assume that we're just a logistics company because we have a large fleet of trucks. Um, but we, we sell, we deliver, uh, and we, we market the brands that we're responsible for, whether it's a mirror, uh, a neon, a tap handle, or banners and signage, printed material that's either purchased or produced uh, by us. Here in
0: Wisconsin, independent beer distributors deliver more than 160 million gallons of beer a year to retailers playing a critical role in ensuring responsible consumption.
6: Most people see the the Miller or the Bud or the Corona truck and they assume that Miller owns that truck. If you look at the door, that door will likely say a small family business that's located in your community that employs lots of people. And then you open the doors, uh, it's full of thousands of different items from dozens of different breweries. And now you know you're Wisconsin.